Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons & Dragons, from noxious Nothics to ne'er-do-welling nightmares. And today we're talking about Nagas. Hey, Brian. William. It is uh, today. I'm trying to spin this in a big, big guy way, and I think I got it. Today, we're talking about the biggest snakes. Oh, shit. I love that you're the big guy is not just about giants low key. It's like so it's like all the biggest stuff that, you know, we hadn't covered in the first few years of the show. Mm -hmm. Now it's coming up. Yeah, it, it just. It just feels right. <laughs> Granted, there might actually right. be bigger snakes than Nagas, uh, but they're if they're not the biggest, they're very close to it. So okay, let's get into I'll it. I'll accept that. So we so they're snakes. There's yeah yeah you I'll explain. So right. we've talked about Medusas and UNT on the show. Uh, now mm. it's time to talk about the other sentient snake creature, the Naga. And okay. Unlike the former two, this one is not quintessentially evil and tyrannical. It's only evil and tyrannical half of the time. And the other half okay. of the time, they're a lawful good, but still pretty tyrannical. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I, man, lawful good, man. Yeah. And, lawful and, good is tough. And evil or not, the Naga and the UNT are um, mortal enemies, which is odd. Oh, since, okay. Since the UNT worship all things that are snake-like and snake-adjacent, and Naga are kind of much more snake-like than most UNT ever are, but maybe it's a jealousy thing. Either way, they war and plot against each other pretty consistently. But the Naga are quite formidable. They're hyper. <laughs> like we lo we love snakes. We are kind of snakes. Uh, everything about snakes is except for you, you fucking snake. <laughs> Fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> so Nagas are hyper intelligent, inherent spellcasters, and biologically and spiritually immortal. These creatures have the bodies of giants serpents and the faces of humans they seem to be loosely based off of the hindu theological semi-divine race of half human half serpent beings that reside in the nether world and can occasionally take human form of the same name um okay yeah i can see why but, you drew that comparison yeah but at the same time um they're quite different from 
their Hindu counterparts. So Nagas come in many types or subraces, which differ pretty substantially both in physical appearance and in abilities and behaviors. Today we will be focusing on three on the three presented in the 5e monster manual, the bone Naga, the guardian Naga and the spirit Naga. But for the record, there are also dark Nagas, water Nagas, primordial Nagas, and quite a few more. Okay. There's so, a Naga for, you know, they're like fucking. There's uh, a Naga for every chips. day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. So generally speaking, all Nagas have long snake-like bodies covered with glistening scales and more or less human faces. They range in length from 10 to 20 feet and weigh 200 to 500 pounds. Though some are known to be over 100 feet in length. The eyes of a Naga are bright and intelligent, burning with an almost hypnotic inner light. Their spines are armored with sharp triangular extensions that grow in a line from the nape of their necks to the tips of their tails. They prefer warmer clients and tend not to wander far from their lairs. Now, when I say Nagas have human heads or faces, the artwork depicting them varies by source. Some source books have Nagas with literal human heads at the end of snake bodies. Uh, others have a scaly snake-human hybrid thing going on. And the 5e monster manual leans much more heavily towards snake than man. I'd say two-thirds snake, one-third man. And honestly, of all the artwork I've seen, I think the 5e monster manual has the best-looking art. So, Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, I did a, a cursory Google search of mm-hmm. Nagas. And it's like, yeah, uh, it's mostly snake up in here. Uh, why are these reminding me of Gyarados almost a little bit, some of them? That's interesting. Like, yeah, just the way the face is sort of like... Um, you know, I kind of can see this on like an animatronic level mm-hmm, working mm-hmm, where it's mm-hmm. vaguely, you're right, it's vaguely human. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's mostly snake. Mostly, mostly snake. snake but there. I mean, I don't know if, if you, what other art you're pulling up, but there's some with just human heads at the end. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of different stuff. Um, so I'm seeing like a variety, a variety of different things where it's like, a, you know, a more Medusa feel like waist up sort of humanoid uh, waist down. Right, snake. right. And there's... Um, there's like uh like very human looking features, but then like a snake tongue coming out of it, and it's mostly snake body, mm-hmm. um, almost like a koi fish. Some of this art looks like this is like a path. I'm looking at a Pathfinder one. It's got like lots of frills and stuff like that. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's some there's some really cool looking art. I see what they're going for in right. each piece of this, though. Right. You know. So Nagas are inherently curious creatures uh, about the world in general and magic in particular. They hold the pursuit of knowledge and understanding above all other goals and the art of magic above all other forms of study. Now, when I say the art of magic, I really mean the art of magic. While Nagas can see the strategic advantages of consulting a large library of wizard spells or entreating a deity for divine support, most Nagas see the art of magic as a natural extension of the mortal form. Thus, they tend ah. to view sorcery as the perfect embodiment of natural magic, which I is see. pretty elitist of them since they are all natural potent spellcasters born with an inherent understanding of magic. They're all sorcerers. <laughs> They're all born sorcerers. So. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, definitely, like you're saying, is a point of privilege, right? Like, yeah. you can just do magic for funsies. Yeah, exactly. Like- and so, and you think anyone who can do it not naturally is just like, that's cute, but like, we're better. Like that's for right. Like I was born to to magic. Yeah. Uh, I art of magic can be misleading. I was was born to it. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) I didn't do the magic till I was already a man or whatever the fuck. What are you trying to do here? Uh, (laughs) I was gonna say something about the art of magic sounding bardic. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) Which is also feels more like sorcery. Yeah. Except for bardic, bard magic is a learned magic. It's not. You're not born with it. Yeah, you learn you learn guitar, lute, 
whatever. So good. And then the, how to magic through it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. This is <laughs> this is cool. I like that they are uh, sorcery. What other monsters are like this, where they have just like sorcery magic like that? Like, um, dragons sometimes. Well, I think a lot of times dragons are treated more wizardly. Um, yeah, with like the types of spells. Yeah, and magic giants they have, they have, have a it. specific type of runic magic that they learn and teach. Um, there are other. Uh, there are many, many uh, inherent spellcasting creatures, especially fey ones. But um, yeah, okay. Hard for me to think uh, of one I off the top of my head. Gnolls do magic, but you don't fucking want any part of that. No. But <laughs> uh, back to Nagas. So most Nagas view the preservation of cultural achievements as a worthy goal, regardless of the race that developed them. Um, thus, mm-hmm. Nagas of all subraces willingly seek that which has been lost and guard the remains of fallen civilizations. Even some of the more chaotic evil subraces of Nagas, which normally revel in destruction, like to layer amidst the ruins of lost cities or even the remains of temples, castles, or other edifices that they themselves have destroyed. While Naga do not produce trade goods, their lifespan many human generations and they keep a detailed oral history, so they are good sources of information. They're often protectors of treasures and artifacts uh, for centuries. Okay, this so they're long-lived I they're immortal it. and we'll talk a little bit more about that later but like they are biologically immortal <clears throat> and uh-huh. if you kill them they, they get reborn at some point later on like okay they cannot cool. die and we'll talk a little bit about it because honestly the um the fact that they are uh, immortal doesn't really get explained they just kind of are <laughs> okay yeah. sure it's just like their magic that's just kind of part of the build here yeah but we'll that's get into that uh after the Short rest. Hey everybody, be sure to check out Super, Super Quest, Quest Saga. Saga, a future fantasy 5th edition D&D actual play podcast homebrewed and dungeon mastered by yours truly, me, and set in space. And I play in it, along with your special guest Jake and friend of the show, Josh Freeland. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! We've returned. We're back. We're back again to talk about <laughs> immortal snakes. Exactly. D&D has such a special relationship with snakes and snake-like things. Uh, there's a lot of snake. Well, that and fish. There's a bunch of fish humanoids. We haven't even talked about them all. We've talked about like four different ones. I know. And they're pretty cool too. But like yeah. these snake things, they're always kind of fucked up. They're yeah, like never, they're never quite like, this isn't what I was thinking when I was thought of snakes, but like, what was I thinking? Well, yeah, that's a great question. What were you thinking? What was I? Th- I don't really know. I, I think a lot about Indiana Jones for snake stuff. Um, <laughs> But like, you know, I think I I didn't think of them being more like they have they're leaning into all this human stuff like this, um, this humanoid type behavior, uh, this mentality of, uh, you know, it's it's creepy because they slither. Maybe it's because they slither. It's creepy. Yeah. I always forget that like snakes are a fear thing for a lot of people. I grew Mm -hmm. up catching snakes while on my hikes all the time and, and releasing them. But. Like I've caught pretty much every kind of snake that we got in California. And like the idea of snakes being scary is strange to me, but I forget people are scared of snakes. Yeah, dude. My dad's a, uh, a crazy white dude. I saw him do a lot of weird stuff with snakes when I was a kid, like how you're saying, like pick snakes right. up and move them. And I'm like, dude, yeah, I would yeah. never, I'm gonna just walk away. I'm sorry. I saw, yeah. I know you can do that. Uh, yeah. 
But yeah, the like, snakes like the rain gutters sm- that they install on trails for water flow. Yeah. Sometimes they'll go. Yeah, they do. There. Honestly, um, snakes can be chill. You just got to recognize, you know, which ones are poisonous, which ones aren't. And you're good. That's not the case in, D- in Dungeons and Dragons. You know, what, no, you know what these been, ones. Yeah, they're immortal and they'll fucking kill you. So let's get into it. Well, hang on. I wanted to talk about one more thing that I that pop culture thing that I've been reminded of. And this yeah. is um Ko, the face stealer from Avatar uh, The Last oh, Airbender. Yeah. He's yeah, like yeah. a spirit and he's more like a centipede. Yeah, he's he, more he, like a centipede. He has a face at the end of his visage, you know, like yeah, and he, he can change it is sort of his thing. All the faces but, he stole. Yeah. yeah. Looking at the art is like, oh, this reminds me of Ko, but, you know, less legs. I can see. I can see that. All right. So most Nagas see their own limbless physical form as a philosophical ideal for a true explorer and scholar. They view the use of physical limbs to manipulate the environments as symptomatic of a lesser mind that has been diverted from a true understanding. <laughs> According to, I know. According to some Naga philosophies, the lesser races constitute the limbs of a metaphysical body in which the Naga is the brain. Thus, mm. the pairing of Nagas with lesser servitors constitutes a perfect melding of mind and body, which feeds into one of the types of Naga's primary cultural tendencies, subjugation. There it is. Yes, now we're playing yep. Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. We need and slaves. Like what I just said before was their uh, justification for it. But yeah, they love to subjugate. So this is interesting. Uh, maybe that's why they're not into the uh, the UNT is not into them because the UNT is like all about these limbs. Like they got snake ass limbs. They got lots of well, limbs going I, on. Actually, like with the UNT, it's all about trying to ascend to perfect serpent form. The more snake like you are, the higher you are. Um, oh, so maybe what you said about jealousy is right. You know, like yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's why I said it. Than. Yeah, they're more snake like than almost any UT can mostly be. So maybe it pisses them off. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but uh, so all nagas are seen as potentially dangerous and regarded with suspicion, whether their intent, inherent nature is benevolent, neutral, or malign. This is because a naga rules its domain with absolute authority. Whether it rules with compassion or by terrorizing its subjects, the Naga believes itself to be the master of all other creatures that inhabit its domain. Regardless of their nature and loyalties, all Nagas are crafty, cunning, and charismatic enough to dominate the lesser races through force of personality alone. Hmm. The first Nagas were originally created by the Saruk, a reptilian humanoid race long lost to history. And we talked about the Saruk a little bit in the Troglodyte episode. Okay. Um, they're like I, the dino snake lizard people from yeah, like primordial times. I'm, I'm thinking about it. The troglodyte episode has had a big impact on me as a dungeon master. Oh, that's interesting. Um, with their nasty, nasty stink bodies. They they are nasty. So, so these Saruk are nasty, obviously. Uh, also, um, I don't know if they're nasty. Well, they're, they're making just, stuff like troglodytes and uh, and, and these UNT, nagas. Yeah. yeah, and nagas. Uh, so the Saruk were responsible for many lizard and snake-like races, including troglodytes and the UNT. And like the UNT, the Nagas were the products of magical interbreeding that combined the bodies of powerful serpents with the natural intelligence and inquisitiveness of the human mind. Mm-hmm. The Saruk created Nagas to serve as loyal guardians, researchers into the arcane arts, and a- agents of exploration. Now, millennia after the Saruk dispatched their creations to the far corners of the world, Nagas can be found almost everywhere, although most still dislike cold climates. You know, like most although they snakes. continue, what was that? Like most snakes probably would. Yeah, cold blooded. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Although they continue to follow their original and ancient drives, the decline of the Saruk enabled the Naga to do so in service to their own ends rather than those of their creator. They deemed themselves the rightful inheritors 
treasures their magical lore. And since Nagas never feel the ravages of time nor succumb to sickness, they have all the time in the world to pursue their goals. Even if it is struck down, a Naga's immortal spirit reforms in a new body in a matter of days, ready to continue its eternal work. What? What does that look like? Like you obliterate this thing with fireball or whatever. It died and it its died. body reforms elsewhere. It just like the like dust in the wind like carries and then tornadoes and all of a sudden there's another fucking snake there. Yeah. Just actually like crawl like that. out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. Something okay, like that. Sure. So. All right. Yeah, outside of this, the immortality of the Naga isn't really explained. They simply are. They don't even require air, water, or food to survive. All right. I mean, yeah. that I don't like that. They're just yeah, they're just immortal. I think it must have something to do with the fact that like they the name comes from the semi holy or the semi divine beings from Hindu mythology. Mm-hmm. So I think they're biologically probably immortal. I don't know. I don't know enough about them, but my I, my theory is that. It probably comes from that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this seems weird. Like if your players are trying to, I'm trying to think of what role the Naga is going to play in your game. You know what I mean? Like, is this immortality thing going to come up? Is, is it, or is it going to get like hand waved in the explanation of them to what I mean, you could fight one, kill it. And then now it's pissed and going to come after your ass. Yeah. Like Rakshasas and stuff. Yeah. Like Um, Rakshasa. Yeah. So this is just a variant on, on a, a a typical monster like that. Um, what was the other one we just talked about not too long ago that um, it it has like a lair. Um, oh, the Lamia. The Lamia. This is yeah. Kinda they're also that, immortal. Yeah. Yeah. This is giving me that vibe. You know, like yeah. the same style of monster. They fill the, a very similar niche. Yeah. Okay, I see. Okay. So Nagas have a long-standing enmity with the UNT, with each race seeing itself as the epitome of serpentine evolution. Though cooperation between them is rare, Nagas and UNT sometimes set aside their differences to work toward common objectives. However, UNT always chafe under a Naga's authority. <laughs> sometimes lone Nagas rule over primitive tribes of kobolds, lizardfolk, and troglites who regard them as a god. I see. Yeah, this is just like the Lamia then, pretty much. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the specific ones introduced in the 5e monster manual. And um, then we'll go over their stat blocks, which I think you got pulled up already. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to start with the guardian Naga. So guardian Nagas are covered with green gold scales that exude a sweet floral scent. A gold frill extends from the top of its head to the tip of its tail. Wise and good, the beautiful guardian Nagas protect sacred places and items of magical power from falling into evil hands. And there are hidden readouts. They research spells and hatch convoluted plots to thwart the evil designs of their enemies. A guardian Naga doesn't seek out violence, warning off intruders rather than attacking. Only if its foes persist does that Naga attack, accosting enemies with its spells and poisonous spittle. Though usually a strictly lawful and good alignment, they are still free-willed creatures and can be of any alignment. Okay, cool. So Um, that's a guardian Naga. Let me get to the end page here. There they are right off the bat. And we're talking about the Guardian Naga. So let me go to that one. <clears throat> okay. So for this stat block, for the Guardian Naga, it's a large monstrosity. Lawful good. This is one of the arts I was looking at. Yeah, this face, it kind of has like a, <laughs> it looks like old man mouth a little bit. Yeah, you know, it does. Like a it denture, does. <laughs> the denture style or the dentures have been removed. <laughs> yeah. um, super creepy face. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the armor class is going to be 18 natural armor. Uh, hit points 127 with a movement speed of 40. So this creature up front is very scary just based off of those. Oh, yeah. Um, so strength uh, 19, dex Oof. 18. 
Con 16, Intelligence 16, Wisdom 19, Charisma 18. This thing is so freaking buff. Plus threes and fours across the board, baby. Oh, man. They got all of eternity to work out both their minds and body. (laughs) It's just like spending a couple weeks doing crunches. You know, they're all abs, really. They're all abs. They're abs all the way down. Are they mostly tail or are they mostly neck? Let's debate that. The anatomy Uh, of the snake. Mostly neck is my my, uh, opinion. I'm not going to say. So we got saving throws, dex plus eight, con plus seven, intelligence plus seven, wisdom plus eight, charisma plus eight. This is just, this is nonsense. This is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, immune to poison, obviously, at the higher <laughs> levels. So com- condition immunities, charmed and poison. Uh, senses, dark vision, 60 feet. Passive perception is 14. They can speak celestial and common. That's interesting. Um, Leaning the into the part, immortals the, thing. Yeah. Uh, with a challenge rating of 10. So... Here's the first thing. Rejuvenation. Uh, if it dies, the Naga returns to life in 1d6 days and regains all its HP. Uh, only a wish spell can prevent this trait from functioning. Ooh, so mm. you can wish this thing away. but like that's, <laughs> You can wish it to death. God, man. Okay, so spellcasting. The Naga is an 11th level spellcaster. Its spellcasting ability is wisdom with a spell save DC of 16 with a plus 8 to hit with spell attacks. And it needs only verbal components to cast its spells because uh, it doesn't have hands. <laughs> it uh, it has the following cleric spells prepared. Cantrips, which are at will. Mending, Sacred Flame, and Thaumaturgy. First level spells. It's got four slots for Command, Cure Wounds, and Shield of Faith. Second level has three slots with Calm Emotions and Hold Person. Uh, third level is three slots with Bestow Curse and Clairvoyance. Uh, fourth level is three slots. They got Banishment, Freedom of Movement. Fifth level... Two slots with flame strike and gate I think we we landed on the geish yeah, spell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for those of you that don't know what I'm saying, geish. It's it's G E A S. But we we pretty much we got a lot of comments saying that it's geish. Yeah. In 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 the Just real like life, mo- <laughs> right? In the real life, most people I know have always called it the geese spell. But whatever. Like I'll uh, pronounce it the proper it's su- way. Super annoying when a bunch of geese fly over and they're like. Wah! One six level spell. It's got true seeing. Okay. Um, So the first thing I notice here is that even though the lore, especially pre 5e lore, treats the Naga's spellcasting as a um, sorceress kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's those are very uh, cleric like spells so they're they're treating the magic like it is divine yeah the speaking of celestial like so they're really leaning into the immortal divinity of these creatures which is strange because there's no lore that names them as gods or gives them a divine anything yeah i mean this is lawful good and maybe that's just the kind of the route they took to study maybe Um, we'll we'll see with the uh the next few nagas but yeah So this one, this one, um, I noticed that the um, the calm emotions thing. I wonder if it's using that on itself. Can you do that? Um, it's kind of funny. So mm-hmm. the bite uh, for the actions is a uh, melee weapon attack with plus eight to hit, a reach of ten feet on one creature. It's going to do eight or one d eight plus four piercing damage, and the target must make a DC fifteen Constitution saving throw, taking forty five or ten d eight poison damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. That's pretty. That's one of the mightier bites we've read. Oh yeah, on the show. Um, and the next one is spit poison. Uh, that's going to be a ranged weapon attack with plus eight to hit. The range is fifteen to thirty feet um, on one creature. On a hit, a target must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw, taking 45 10d8 poison damage on a failed Ooh. save, 
or half as much on a success. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's it for the the yeah. Guardian Naga. They're strong. Can you can you give me what's the CR on that thing again? It was uh ten. Yeah, very strong. That's boss level for a, a most of like levels. I would say five to nine. That's close to boss level. It's kind of like I know you're drawing a lot of comparisons to the Lamia, but this one, the awful good one, is more like a Sphinx. Kind of got a Sphinxy feel to it a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of a halfway between. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's move on to the Spirit Naga. Okay. So Spirit Nagas are even more mysterious and enigmatic than the others of their kind, seeking lost magic to a fanatical extent. They see only evil and ugliness, and they delight in causing suffering and death with the powers they possess. Spirit Nagas live in gloom and spitefulness, constantly plotting vengeance against creatures that have wronged them or that they believe have wronged them. Uh, layering in dismal caverns and ruins, they devote their time to developing new spells and enslaving the mortals with which they surround themselves. Cloaked in the cloying stink of carrion, this creature looks as foul as it smells. The black body of a spirit naga is banded with swaths of bright crimson, and stringy hair hangs limply from its vaguely human head. A spirit naga likes to charm its foes, drawing them close so that it can sink its poisonous fangs into their flesh. Wow. <clears throat> this thing is nasty. So what's the CR? What, what, give us a skinny on this one. All right. Spirit Nagas. Let's see. Sorry about that. I had to put the book down to drink water. I'm very dehydrated right now for some reason. Yeah, me too. This weather change thing going on. But I'm um, trying to keep up. Sorry, everybody. We got the Spirit Naga, large monstrosity, chaotic evil. Uh, this armor class is uh, 15 natural armor with 75 hit points and 40 movement speed. Strength is 18, Dex 17, Con 14, Intelligence 16, Wisdom 15, Charisma 16. Still very stacked. You know, we got a couple of plus twos in there, but, um, you know, plus two, plus three, plus four. Those are all great. Mm-hmm. Um, saving throws, Dex plus six, Con plus five, Wisdom plus five, and Charisma plus six. So this is not as buff as the Guardian Naga, but still pretty mighty. Um, yeah. We got damage immunities to poison. Charmed immune, conditioned immunities are charmed and poison. Uh, 60 feet of dark vision. Passive perception is 12. It speaks abyssal and common. And the challenge rating on this one is an 8. Okay. This has the same rejuvenation uh, feature to um, verbatim. Uh, you can stop it with a wish, um, which is a level 9 spell. Then we got spell casting. So this Naga is a 10th level spell caster. Its spellcasting ability is intelligence with a save DC of 14 plus six to hit with spell attacks. It needs only verbal components, just like its compatriot here. And it can prepare the following wizard spells, cantrips at will, mage hand, minor illusion, ray of frost. Uh, It's got four first level spells, charm person, detect magic and sleep. Uh, Three second level spell slots with detect thoughts and hold person. Uh, Three third level spell slots with lightning bolt and water breathing. That's interesting. Uh, three fourth level spells, Blight and Dimension Door, very cool. Uh, and two fifth level spell slots, uh, s- held solely for Dominate Person. Interesting. Yeah, so then we have the Bite, uh, plus seven to hit, reach 10 feet. One creature is going to take seven or 1d6 plus four pierce. And then the target must make a DC 13 constitution saving throw, taking 31 or 7d8 poison damage on a failed save, or half as much damage on a successful one. Uh, so pretty volatile. I mean, these things are yeah. super venomous. It yeah, it seems like uh, the spells in this case went a little bit more wizardly, but definitely much more violent than the Guardian Naga, which, you know, that tracks, you know, one's lawful good, the other's chaotic evil. 
Yeah, man, lightning bolt was gonna come look cool coming out of like a snake face or tail. Um, <laughs> right. And then blight is a very very powerful spell. Um, I mean, usually party members aren't plants though, so that's okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anything else on the spirit naga? No, that's it for the stat block. Alrighty, so let's move on to the last one, Bone Nagas. So Bone Nagas were all once Nagas of a different kind. This undead horror has been reduced to a serpentine skeleton with a bone tail stinger. Its skull is human-like except for its long fangs and the cold, cruel light that burns within its empty eye sockets, giving it an air of unspeakable hatred and malice. In response to the long history of conflict between the UNT and the Nagas, UNT created a necromantic ritual that could halt a Naga's resurrection by transforming the living Naga into a skeletal undead servitor. I don't have a wish spell. Uh, Yeah. uh. (laughs) (laughs) The bone Naga retains only a few of the spells it knew in life. Though it despises servitude, a Bonaga unswervingly obeys its creator, attacking even other Nagas if commanded to do so. Should its master die, the Bonaga becomes free-willed and can choose its own destiny. Nice, okay. This is an interesting monster. Yeah, um, that would be an interesting NPC since like, it's fully intelligent, it's its own person, and let's say you have a free one, one that isn't enslaved, that would be a very interesting uh, NPC. It's just a fucking snake skeleton. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it. it is. Yeah, it's a giant um, snake skeleton. It kind of you know, the Draco Lich is just a big dragon skeleton, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I'm sure it's not as powerful as a Draco Lich, right? Let's find out. No. So the Bone Naga is a large undead lawful evil creature with an armor class of 15 natural armor. I mean, it's bones, right? Okay, so so HP is 58. Bones, hard bones. Hard bones. Uh, HP is 58. The speed is 30 feet. We got a strength of 15, a dex of 16, a con of 12, intelligence 15, wisdom 15, charisma 16. So nothing above a plus three, and we're even dipping down to a plus one here on the con, which makes sense because skeletons don't have fleshy meats to absorb damage. Uh, Damage immunities, poison, conditioned immunities. It can't be charmed, exhausted, paralyzed, or poisoned, which makes sense. Senses are dark vision 60 feet, passive perception 12. Languages are common plus one other language, like the language it knew in life, which I don't know. It's what, what, <laughs> that's usually what these things say. But yeah. um, I mean, what other language are you going to give it? These other two, Celestial and Abyssal, I mean, that has some implications there. So yeah. are you going to pick one of those or what's up? Yeah, probably um, based off whatever it was in previous in life. life. In yeah. this case, <laughs> we're only going to give it uh, either Spirit or Guardian because uh, the other ones haven't sat it out, but. Right. I okay. mean, the other ones, we'll, we'll talk about the other ones in a, a future episode at some point. But yeah. yes. Uh, so the challenge rating is four on this, much weaker than the others. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So spell casting. The Naga is a fifth level spell caster with a spell save DC of 12 with a plus four to hit with spell attacks. That needs mm-hmm. only verbal components to cast its spells. If the Naga was a guardian Naga in life, its spell casting ability is wisdom. And it has one of the following cleric spells prepared. So cantrips at will, mending, sacred flame, thaumaturgy. Four first-level spells, Command and Shield of Faith. Three second-level spells, uh, Calm, Emotions, and Hold Person. And two third-level spell slots with Bestow Curse. Uh, so the next is, if the Naga was a spirit Naga in life, its spellcasting ability is Intelligence, and it has the following wizard spells prepared. So Mage Hand, Minor Illusion, Ray of Frost for cantrips. Uh, four first-level spells, Charm, Person, and Sleep. Uh, three second-level spells, Detect Thoughts and Hold Person. Two... Third level spells, lightning bolt. 
and it can do a bite with plus five to hit, reach of 10 feet. One creature, it's gonna do 10 or 2d6 plus three piercing damage, plus 10, 3d6 poison damage. So just a scaled back version of whatever it was in life, pretty much. It's like a pseudo, yeah, exactly. it's like a shell of what it used to be. Yeah, with an undead template and uh, a much scarier look. I I like um, kind of, you could probably do a couple of these or a few of these, depending on your level party. It would be pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, we're right around that sweet spot for challenge ratings where you can mob them up or mm-hmm. just have them be solo bosses. Yep. Um, you know, a rogue sure. skeleton for a low level party of this. Uh, I mean, it seems kind of interesting. It seems like the bone Naga uh, obeys a master, right? Yeah, like. unless its master died, in which case it's free. It's just, uh, it's like, damn, I'm just this fucking bone naga for the rest of eternity. Yeah. I wonder, I would imagine most bone nagas would spend their time trying to undo the curse so that they could go back to their uh, fleshy body. But I wonder if they just need to get fucking eradicated one more time and then they can like dust in the wind themselves back into normal. Not body. a bad idea. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's how it works. I'm not sure. Somebody but uh, any, other questions, any other questions about nagas? I can't kill myself. I'm just bones. <laughs> um, no, I don't have I don't have more questions about Nagas. They're fucking horrifying. Yeah, they're pretty scary. I'm and, wondering, uh, like, are there as many snakes? Uh, are there as many like you know snakes and spiders? I feel like have a similar amount of people with phobias. Are there sure. a lot of spider monsters? I mean, we got Loth, right? And like the whole drow <laughs> thing is like a spider infestation down there. Um, there are some, and I won't. I don't know if I could say as many, and they're definitely not as prominent. But there are a few spider monsters out there that we'll talk Drider, about in future episodes, right? Uh, Drider would be one. Ettercaps would be another. Um, I'm sure there's a few others. Yeah, okay. Mentioned. There's also variant like spiders, like there's phase spiders, giant spiders, and all this other shit too. Yeah, there's a spider that Frodo had to fucking stab or whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, no, that's it. That's it for Nagas for me. This is really interesting. Okay. The name does not match up, but it, you know, it's based off of a t- another culture, cultural sort of name. Um, right. Exactly. So yeah, of course, it doesn't sound right to me, an American. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, that, this, this is pretty cool. Um, kind of interesting. It, there's, there's a lot to play around with with them, it seems like. Um, yeah, for me, um, how you use them. For me, I think the most interesting thing about the Naga is not so much the combat, even though that is interesting. Uh, it's the fact that they are like a very intelligent, immortal person, very much like a dragon in a way, where yeah. they are a dangerous entity to interact with. But interact with them, you will if you do come across because they are also social creatures. Yeah, that, that's uh, how that's I feel about like it reminds me of the Sphinx. It reminds me of, you know, a dragon. It yeah. reminds me of some of these the other creatures. Yeah, Lamia. absolutely. All right. Well, with that being said, I think we can get ready for a long rest. Let's do that. Well, actually, for right. this long rest, you're about to hear an interview with some of our oh, Discord that's true. mods. Um, yes. Chemical and Velocity. We asked them to come on the show and talk about what it's like being a Discord mod and some other things like playing D&D. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoy that. Um, you'll hear that and then you'll hear our normal long rest. So we'll see you on the other side. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Hey everybody, welcome to The Thing We're Doing Before the Long Rest. Uh, today we wanted to interview two uh, very prevalent people in the Dungeon Cast community, um, you might know them specifically if you are in the Discord. Uh, they, uh, they're the Puppet Masters. They, they stand in the back. Everything like, on They're the two of the Puppet Masters. Yeah, there's several. Like, there are other. many Puppet Masters. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you guys are super awesome. It's, um, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? I'll let you guys introduce yourselves since um, you can tell us who you are if you want to use your real name or your Discord name or both. Sure, sure. <laughs> Hey, Marcos, Chemical, he, him. Uh, yeah, I mod in the Discord and play lots of D&D, drink a lot of coffee. Hell yeah, absolutely. You also, uh, you also do some fan art. I really enjoyed that uh, piece you did of Percy on her spiritual sphere the other day. Yesterday. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah, really that cool. Pulled me out of art block when you were describing it. Because I started seeing it immediately. That's cool. Yes, That's awesome. I love those scenes too. I always go on a on a lucid uh, imagination trip when they're going on. I'm like, ooh, I know what kind of like tones I want to hear for this. So, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I love I love the galactic spirit scene. And then who else do we have? Uh, it's Modico, also known as uh, Veloxity. Um, I oh, I carried the wiki. Yes. Yeah. Super Quest Saga. Oh my gosh. I love the wiki so much. I use it every time I'm writing for the show. It has made my job so much easier. Thank you oh, so much. It, it has I'm, I'm glad someone looks at it. <laughs> it has greatly improved the, the overall quality of our product. It <laughs> does. Completely honest. Absolutely. Will's like, what kind of dungeon master am I gonna be today? Oh, I'm gonna just check the wiki page and see what words I have not used yet. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, absolutely. 
we had like a master doc with all potential words and I don't think we even need it anymore at this point. We no. just like pull one out of a hat. It's true. Um, but yeah, we, we just want to start off by saying thank you to you guys um, for, for playing the role that you guys do. Um, and I do want to talk a little bit more about what it, what it's like being a moderator for a discord. Cause I don't really know much about it. It's completely out of my wheelhouse. What you guys do in there. It, it's very, I can see it having a big impact. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, what do you guys, how do you guys feel about like being in that position and in, in our discord or your discord is what it, what it really is. How do we feel being in this position? Yeah, like what's it what's it like being a Discord moderator? Like how did you come to uh be in a position to be able to do that? And like what what are the types of things that you you do, you know, just uh for people that might be unfamiliar? Well, I got in the position by just talking a lot all the time in those early days. <laughs> yeah, when it first started, yeah. Yeah. Me and that handful of other people who were right there constantly talking about junk at the beginning. <laughs> and then I what? ascended. <laughs> ascended. So was that uh was that um I know it was like Jack Ford and and Daniel um yeah. that kind of that kind of spearheaded that. So you you, right. you guys were just all talking a lot and then it you were brought you were christened in, you were brought on board the squad. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I I I wasn't sure how like if you guys knew each other outside of if you were guys who were all friends first from some other community or if you had met there. So that's pretty cool. Oh, met everyone here for the first time. Wow, it, you guys seem like you're pretty close, you know, as as uh, as far as I can tell. As a group. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now we've all been talking and hanging out and stuff. Met some of these people in real life, play games with these people now. I got a game on Tuesday run by Dag. That's uh, super cool. So what's going on in, what's going on in the game? Uh, let me see. This one is... Mythic Odysseys of Theros. Ooh. And we're fighting our way through a temple to Thassa. I don't know what Thassa is. <laughs> it's one of the gods. Yeah, oh, cool. I think it, yeah. The gods are real involved in that setting. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you think of Theros? Oh, I enjoy it a lot. Yep. It looks epic. Yeah. It looks really awesome. Yeah, you get so much extra heroic power in there. Bonus abilities. The nice. race limits were, I mean, I ended up not picking one of the like standard races and was just hand waved in with it, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's cool. All right. Uh, how about you, Marco? What do you, um, how do you feel about being a, a discord mod? Like what are some of the sorts of things that, um, was it what you were kind of expecting when you, I remember the day you got brought on, it was kind of like later on, uh, but it, it felt fitting. It felt right. Yeah, um, I got brought on later. Um, and there was first, because first it was just Jack who was kind of moderating it all. And then um, uh, Gonzo and Marcos got brought in. And then then it was Diggy. And then me, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty much they needed a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we want that. We want that female representation on the show. Yeah. Dearly, we do. Uh, yeah, and uh, I was already kind of bossy anyway, so I think <laughs> it was uh, fine <laughs> cool. that I got brought on. Um, and I like it a lot. Um, I really enjoy kind of the community building aspect of it. You know, like we run uh, we run Discord 
contests and we we've done uh, things for the Patreon members in the Discord and uh, that's the kind of thing I like to do. So it's it's fun organizing all that stuff and. Um, I don't really like yelling at people, but that's what the guys are for. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's been really cool um, seeing like the types of conversations go down. Like there's a lot, I think the most active channel, what, what would you guys say are, are the most active channels in the discord? It's more like the DM DM stuff or the character builder stuff. I see those p- kind of popping off more often, I think. Yeah, I think DM off topic character creator is a popular one. Uh, homebrew gets some good activity. Yeah, that's right. Homebrew. I do see that. I do see the off topic popping a lot and it's usually like you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's me. I post food pictures and dog pictures and I do love, I do love both those things, food and yeah. dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing that we are doing in the discord this month for American Thanksgiving uh, I kind of, and I kind of, I didn't tell anybody I was going to do it. So sorry, Will. I usually try to talk yeah. to people before I do stuff, but I was just like, I mean, you know I'm what? used to it at this point. It's hand turkey time. Let's go. Oh yeah. You, you did talk to me about this. Um, right now it's hand turkey contest time where if people don't know, you trace your hand and it looks like a turkey and then you design, you stylize it and design it to be something hopefully spectacular and magnificent. So um, I've seen some good examples. I have one that I'm just going to throw into the, uh, to the community to just, you know, show as an example. Once I find, I find the photo of it, your special guest, Jake is supposed to dig up uh, a photo of a hand Turkey. I once drew. Oh. Um, so that's mine. So how, what do you guys, what do you guys think? Do you guys have your, uh, your designs going yet? No, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to craft the shit out of this hand Turkey. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing when I do well, you, it. You both, go, you guys both have an edge because you're both artists and you both do really good work. Yeah. I think it's spe- both of your guys' uh, drawings. Um, I've kind of seen your growth in the last like year or so and it's come a long way, but you guys are, have been spectacular from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I particularly enjoy the choices of things that you choose, you, you choose to draw. Yeah. It's all, it's a lot of fun to see some of these moments uh, come to life. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. I, st- yeah. I still remember the Super Quest Saga breakfast collection. Oh yeah, I still favorites. have to. T- I still have to do one. <laughs> yeah. that, I, that I've been sitting on, but yeah, the the breakfast burrito question is the most important question. Oh, yes, apparently it is. It's permeated our craft. It's in every. It's in every show. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What's uh? What's the number at? Like how how big has the uh, Discord grown at this point? Um. Twelve hundred ish. Twelve hundred ish. Thirteen. It's a lot bigger than it used to be. I remember when yeah. we first started. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of people. Um, how do you guys like? Is it is it difficult to manage it? Like, I really, I'm really in the dark, kind of about it. Uh, so there is on paper, like I guess thirteen hundred people, but there's n- definitely not that many people who are active right. Right. at a time. I mean, yeah, um, totally. Uh, everybody's you know, really, except for the trolls, but um, every everybody who is earnest about being a part of the community is really great, I think. Um, we, we're pretty lucky that it's, it's a pretty um, good corner of the internet, you know? Yeah. There, are no, there are no divides in Dungeon Cast fans at this point, so <laughs> let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> yeah, um, 
but I think yeah, everybody is just generally trying to have a good time, be supportive, uh, talk about what's going on in their D&D games, their characters, and uh, I think that's really nice. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, it's great for people to have, um, you know, we see YouTube comments and stuff, people just like detailing out, you know, a story for us or something like that. We love to read those, but definitely the Discord, if you want to be uh, like responded to in that sort of capacity and have like a full conversation, it's a great place to jump in and do that. And with uh, such a good community of great people, like it's always positive vibes in there pretty much. Every time I'm dropping in to to see or say something, it's it's always a, a really positive experience. And that's kind of what we strive for um, with, you know, what we want to bring to the table. So we really appreciate you guys, you know, stepping forth and doing and doing that on that end. It's really, really cool. Absolutely. Um, but other than that, I think uh, I think that's that's pretty much what we wanted to cover today. So we really appreciate you guys coming on and uh, yeah, thank and you talking guys. to us. Yeah, thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anytime. Uh, Will, I've been gliding around all evening. You'll have you now. These. Yeah, but um, somebody did a bad wish spell and now I just have bone slippies. Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds yeah, they, very it, uncomfortable. You know the wheel on your shopping cart? You know the one I'm talking about, right? I know the one you're talking about, yeah. That one wheel. Yeah, the one that always seems to show up. The one that's having a fucking dance party Mm -hmm. while the other ones are just like acting like wheels. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's what my slippies sound like right now when I'm walking around. Oh, no. They were great gliding, casting lightning bolts. Yeah, and now like... And then you pissed off a UNT. That's what happened. Uh, (laughs) I pissed off a UNT and they used their wish scroll (laughs) to fucking wreck my slippers. Um, Yeah, that's... uh, They're cold. That sucks. They, they were snakes. They were snakes once. Yeah. They spoke the language they knew in life. <laughs> um, uh, 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 let's talk about other stuff. Okay. Um, I, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Yeah. Um, we love all of you guys in the Discord, and we hope to talk to all of you at some point mm-hmm. um, and have you guys on the show. You're a very important part of our community, mm-hmm. and we recognize that and wanted to uh, solidify you guys as. You know, on the show, canonically, you exist in the dungeon cast. <laughs> so, um, so go check out um, Mariko and Chemicals' artwork. It's it's a lot of fun, um, especially for us as creators to see that sort of stuff. So yes, really it is. It's always thrilling to see all the fan art. It's <clears throat> there's fantastic. A, there's a link below um, for our Discord. Um, please go check it out and be kind. You know, we we have a we're fostering a, a great community there where we can all come together under the blanket of Dungeons and Dragons and talk about what we love. Um, you know, me and Will wouldn't be doing the show if it wasn't, you know, storytelling wasn't something we were both passionate about. So, yes. Um, yeah. Hopefully you guys can get in there and see what it's all about. We, we are doing a hand Turkey uh, creation contest right now. And the crew of super quest saga is going to judge it. That includes <laughs> myself, Will special guest, Jake and a friend of the show, Josh Freeland. So, uh, draw your best hand turkey. You trace your hand and then you stylize, you know, it looks like a turkey mm-hmm. or whatever. This, the thumb is the head. Mm-hmm. And then you um, you just stylize it however you want. We're going to give away a prize. I can't des- I haven't decided if it's, we're going to give away a Hero Forge mini or uh, a set of dice or something like that. You know, uh, nothing crazy, but it's going to be cool to see all the artwork and, and as we approach American Thanksgiving. Um, sorry I missed Canadian Thanksgiving. I hope you guys had a good one. Um, I'll try not to miss Boxing Day. Um, which I know is important. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't have anything else in, in those terms, but we do want to talk about the contest that we have. Yeah, going. yeah, we're running a pretty big contest right now. Giving away two copies of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, one on Twitter, one on uh, 
uh, Instagram. I say Twitter, but it's actually one on Twitter and or any social media that isn't um, Instagram and then one on Instagram. But if you want to enter on Twitter, all you have to do is share an episode of any of our shows, Super Quest Argo or DungeonCast, uh, any episode with the hashtag DungeonCast, and you'll be entered to win. We are giving away both copies on December 1st, and we'll be announcing those uh, on that day. And I don't know if you want to tell the audience about how you enter on Instagram. Yeah, you just uh, go to the post about the contest, hit the like on that, and then uh, make sure you're following the account, obviously, and then start tagging people. One tag uh, per comment for like a friend that you think would want to listen to the show just to help spread the word. It's the whole point of these contests. We want to, you know, we want to give away a book. It's cool. Give back. But we want people to talk about the show. So if you could spread the word, that would be amazing. Um, hitting the like and subscribe and commenting helps our YouTube algorithm to get noticed. Uh, if you want to leave an iTunes review, it's a very similar situation. So thanks to everybody who does that type of stuff. We see you guys in the YouTube comments on the regular, you know, we got, we got people that, um, you know, they're up to their old, their old ways in there. We see you anyway. Um, that's, that's pretty much it for me. I mean, if you guys, if you guys are looking for ways to support us, those are some of the best ways, uh, you can check out Patreon. We have ad free versions of the show on there that debut weeks and weeks early because we record these in batches. Um, this time, um, we're going to have like two episodes early and then we're going to get another batch of episodes early for you. It's like, it comes in waves like that. So you catch up and then you get a big chunk to listen to Yeah. at your leisure. There's also a ton of other bonus content in there so much that I can barely even like start to name it. So if you want like hours and hours of uh, us playing D and D or whatever, you can go to Patreon and check out what tier works best for you. The monthly subscription, basically like supporting us on a monthly level. It's very, very meaningful to us. It helps keep the lights on at the show. It helps us make big improvements and make big steps towards improving. And also there's like exclusive merch and stuff in there. You can check out our Teespring. We got like a lot of artwork coming down the chute right now. It's just too much to talk about. So we're going to figure that out mm-hmm. and how to clean up these long rests a little bit and make <laughs> everything cohesive. But the best thing I could say is like, go check out the show notes. It's a plethora of awesome shit. Um, and that, that's pretty much it for me. All right. Well, I think with that, we can call it a game and we'll talk to you guys later. All right, guys. Bye. Here's the notes, here's the Zoom, and here we go. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from nauseous... Bleh. Okay, I didn't get it in one. <laughs> I felt the word noxious yeah. uh, just dissolve in my mouth. Mm. Alright, here we go again. Yeah. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.